everyone, welcome. Episode, welcome to episode seven of the Actual Nothing Podcast. Our Halloween special. Of yeah, the we're not. We're recording this one a little bit, a couple days. Well, okay, so we wanted to make a Halloween special which for Halloween. This is, but we're a little bit off because Halloween already happened, like. About a week ago, yeah. week ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's really become an election podcast, yeah. but we're a little late on that too. So it's a uh, we'll 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 put it out. So just imagine <laughs> that I uploaded this on Halloween, even though it'll probably be like way later than that. So whatever. But uh, the con- if you're yeah. if you use your imagination, though, imagine that we're doing this under the guise of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Imagine we're all dressed up. Did you do anything for Halloween? Ec- no, but Did we... You, what would you have dressed up as if you were well, doing anything? Normally, I like to make my Halloween costumes because you, you've seen my like giant fortune cookie and the Those are good. Chinese they're they're really impressive. But I didn't have any time to put anything together. So I have a Bruce Lee jumpsuit that I've used for the last like two years and a cow <laughs> onesie, which is my like... The go-to, right? Yeah, it's is my that, lazy one. Is so. that like a... Um, what is that company that sells fried chicken? What is it? KFC? No, the other one though. One with the Popeyes? Christian, the Christian thing. What? You know, oh, the, the uh, Christian Chick-fil-A? Fr- yeah, Chick Fil A. Is that a no, Chick Fil A random? Although they do have a cow day where if you come in with a cow costume, they'll give you free sandwiches. So I need to do that next time. That's a thing. Yeah, it's a very specific. You thing. know, I know like people like to shit on Chick Fil A because they're like, oh, whatever, they're religious. But I don't care. Their Dude, food tastes fuck good. That their food it's is like great. It's like people that are like after they watch Super Size Me with McDonald's, are like, I'm never gonna eat there. No. Chicken nuggets and their fries are delicious. And I don't know, man, like if you were working for them and you got Sundays off, I'm sure you'd kind of enjoy it yeah. too, right? Like that's well, just. Well, I, I went this Sunday to Chick fil A because I was like, you know, I could go for some. And then it was closed. And it's everybody who eats there has had that experience at least once where they're like, you know, today I want some Chick fil A and it's fucking Sunday. So you can't get any Chick fil A. <laughs> and I was disappointed. So I just had to go home hungry and I didn't eat anything. And what a way to ruin your weekend. Yeah, I know. That's that was what was really scary this weekend. If you were gonna do something for this Halloween, what would you have gone as? Mm. Like did you have any pre planned costumes? No. Usually I like going as something not typical. Like a giant fortune cookie was what I went last time. Actually, if I had time to make a giant infinity glove costume like the guy that I saw at Comic Con, I would have done that because that was a funny concept. Damn. But, there was a guy dressed up as an Infinity Glove at yeah, Comic-Con? Yeah, it was, you know, obviously some of the Marvel guys came and they were, people were cosplaying as like Captain America or Loki, but the best one was some guy just dressed up as a giant Infinity Gauntlet. So Holy shit. His face was in the middle center gem and then it's just a giant fist walking around and it was the best. I was like, <laughs> this guy has the best cosplay. How was Comic-Con, by the way? It was really cool. It was a lot of, not waiting. The only thing I had to wait for was the photo op and then if you did basically like the main event of the celebrities coming in getting pictures with them or getting autographs that's pretty much the only thing that you have to wait for but most of it's just like artists and other little shops that are set up and then you can go see what either people do for hobbies or a lot of most of it is people selling stuff so a lot of pop culture stuff. like i bought a couple of stuff like I was gonna say, what's your merch? This decal that I got on the back of Triforce. That is pretty slick. There there was a lot of stuff that was like, if I had more money, I totally would have bought (laughs) more things. But then it's like, I don't know where to put all this stuff. But I did get a pretty cool um, Black Panther 
Christmas sweater that oh, I'm going to wear when it starts getting more festive times, which you know, apparently really, is now. So. I really need to pick up like a, a good definitive Christmas sweater. I don't own one. Like, I have an ugly Christmas sweater, but this one's like cool and I actually like it. So I'm going to wear it unironically. Peter's got a Christmas sweater that I don't know where he gets it from. I think he got it from some sort of meme thing. It looks like it belongs on a Mike Tyson meme. If that like, like if a, that is any indicator of anything, like it, you got it from like a Goodwill or something. I, I I think it's part of a Mike Tyson costume. I have no idea, but like Mike Tyson the boxer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who else? Yeah, the chicken nugget. That's guy. what. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think that's sweet. I actually have like as someone who's never been to a comic convention, I don't know what to expect. Yeah, ne- well, neither did like, I. This was my first one, and it was really cool. So now I w- really want to go to more of them. Yeah, I mean, around, I mean, to so. be honest, like the stigma I get when I think about a comic con is like weebs. Yeah, well, like, uh, obviously that's like probably the main audience. But ever since Marvel blew up, and more people are thinking, quote unquote, nerd culture is cool and more mainstream. There's definitely a wider pool of people that are okay with going with it, which I like. I think that's fine because I, I think the only thing that's going to get me like really heavy into the MCU is if they add Keanu Reeves as a character. <laughs> if they make him something, and, I'll yeah, watch. You know, have, like, them have Disney buy out the rights to the Matrix and then please. retroactively add him into there, the MCU. There was a debate on Reddit, and that's our Reddit reference oh, of the day. Reddit, Reddit reference of the day. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's the first part of the podcast. Um, there was a reference where they were talking about Keanu Reeves as uh, Doctor Strange, and that's like a huh. tough. That's a tough debate. I because, don't know. Benedict Cumberbatch does it yeah, really well. You know, he's sort of like really perfect for that role, and you can't not see him in it. But also, like, I could totally see Keanu being like a cool Doctor Strange, right? I just like Keanu because well, we watched um, John Wick recently, oh so God. I kind of have been wanting to watch more action movies. For all y'all that haven't seen John Wick, jump on that train. It's awesome. Unless you don't like watching innocent animals may or may not die. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, that's like the beginning of the <laughs> It's, it's old enough. You guys, if you haven't seen it, need to just watch yeah. it now. Well, a little puppy dies. But if you skip past that part, the rest of the movie is really cool. So I still can't get over the part where he's like, a fucking pencil fucking every time. So John Wick 3 is coming out. We'll have to see that in movie in really? the theaters. Yeah, it's coming out. There's a... There's been like a bunch of photo releases with like a horse and stuff. Oh, does he get a pet horse this time? I don't know guys? if it's a pet horse. Maybe like instead of a nice car, he just gets a big horse. <laughs> I like to believe that uh, that John Wick is just like an alter ego of uh, what is it of James Bond that's based in the U.S. You know, he drives really nice cars. Well, he's into that sort James of stuff. Bond. Well, he's not really a secret agent. It's just assassin right that's true he's more of an assassin like a hired assassin of sorts because i'm pretty sure that kingsman is more of the yeah modern but that's not even the u.s that was still still uk uk made but i mean james bond is a uk like guy originated from there anyways i'd get i'd go all in for like keanu reeves in the mcu or ewan mcgregor doing another star wars movie Mm, on that meme train yeah yeah I, i mean Let's face it. That'd be a good movie. I, well, he's he's got maybe typecasted into that. You know, yeah. it's it's a situation where a guy's played a role so long that you can't imagine anyone else playing him, like Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. That's and true. Chris Evans with Captain America. So. Although I'm sure that Ian McGregor's done a bunch. He's done a lot of other things yeah, too outside of Star Wars, and things. he's been just as good everywhere else. It's just the most memed thing. So yeah. by extension, the most well known yeah. <laughs> thing that he's 
known for. Wow, there's a redundant <laughs> sentence of the week. Man, eight minutes in and we haven't even gotten to the, to the topic of this week. But we have already reached two of our stereotypes. Yeah, that's we're waiting for a, We're waiting for one of your voice the cracks. Voice cracks, now. which will probably happen yeah, if so it hasn't already. For any of us keeping score. Uh, but let's get, <laughs> let's get to it eight minutes in. So for our spooky uh, podcast episode, we wanted to talk about something that would be in line with the spooky season, even though now it's approaching Thanksgiving season, but... It can still be spooky yeah, if you want it, it to be. it can be spooky season by extension. So, what's the topic for the, this week? The topic for this week, boys and girls, is phobias. Phobias and fears. All that type of phobia. I'm shit. pretty sure we don't need to explain what a phobia is, because everybody probably knows, but it's just like... It's fear, fears. <laughs> it actually, well... It, phobias are supposed to be a medically irrational diagnosed thing, is it? I think it's it's medically diagnosed, and the big part about uh, phobias is that they're completely irrational, mm. that they don't bear any sort of logical, uh, like I guess, understanding behind them. It's just like a fear. So, for example, arachnophobia means that you're scared of spiders, but not that you're just scared of them. It's that you're cripplingly afraid of spiders. Where if one came into your view you would probably freeze up and be unable to move or breathe, which yeah, most people nowadays are like, yeah, I've got arachnophobia, but it's just like people just don't like spiders. Yeah, I don't know. There's a sort of like using of that phrase so often because people hear it and they sort of conflate it with the meaning of like being afraid of spiders. Yeah, or like they'll be like, oh, I'm afraid of heights, so they'll think they have acrophobia. Yeah, or Whereas like... realistically, people who actually have acrophobia will not function anymore if you bring them up a couple of feet in the air probably <laughs> what's your favorite uh known known phobia favorite known phobia yeah. probably it's going to tie back to the reddit thing of the week but thassalophobia which is, is that fear of the deep ocean and oh and things that, inside of it thalassophobia yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. thalassophobia i don't yeah. remember how to pronounce it but it's yeah because that sub is really cool i'm personally not afraid of it but i think the ocean is a super interesting thing and so that subreddit is just full of pictures of kind of eerie things of like maybe a wide action shot of a single person out in the middle of the ocean and it kind of gives you the creeps or it'll be like a picture of a boat but underneath the boat is a huge shadowy fish that may or may not have dozens of teeth that could swallow you whole dude the uh i think just like the fear of the ocean is just like when you try and imagine just how big the ocean is, I think there's no yeah. clean way of doing it, right? Well, I think about how big the ocean is and how scary it would be to be stuck in it and if there are creatures and stuff in it. But then I had the other thought the other day where take the size of the ocean and that's tiny compared to if you got shot out into space. Yeah. I mean, either way, you're probably fucked, but... <laughs> probably. But Basically. I don't know. With the ocean, you know, there's like this fear of the unknown with the things underneath you, but... Space is just so huge that if you were shot out of space, out of a shuttle or something, like there's just, you're dead. There's I, no way to come I back. was given this image a few years ago and it really helped me sort of illustrate the idea of how big things can get in terms of your imagination. So like the, the image was this, like imagine one car, like the physical like limitations of one car, like right in front of you. You can do yeah. that, right? You yeah. can imagine one car. Yeah. Now imagine five cars in front of you. Uh -huh. Still plausible, right? You can imagine <laughs> yeah. being like around five cars. It's like a parking lot. Yeah. Now try and imagine like a hundred cars in front of you. That, yeah. Like, that's it starts to get harder, harder yeah. right? And now, you know, start imagining like 
50,000 cars in front of you. Oh. Like it's it's unfathomable to like imagine that many individual cars in front of you. And it's the same thing with like distance in the ocean. It's like it's just super unfathomable to try and understand how many miles you have to sort of comprehend. That's I'm sure there is a fear for that. I was going to say it was kind of like um whatever the fear of things that megalov uh, megaphobia or something. Whatever, whatever the fear of things that are really big are. Oh. Uh, I forgot I, what that I, one is You might called. be right. Megaphobia? Something, Megaphobia? Something, something about big things. There's a sub for that, too. Really? But I mean, there's a sub for everything. That, the idea of... It's megalophobia. Megalophobia. Um, but the there's I'm pretty sure there's also a fear of numbers, or maybe the numbers thing is tied into that. Because, yeah. like, same thing. If you try to imagine what a dollar is, that's fine. But then when you think of, like, the lottery and... They'll say, oh, the prize is millions of billions of dollars. Like, I can't actually imagine what a stack of a billion dollars would look like in front of me. And that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of struggle with the same thing. Like, well, because you're pushing your imagination to its very limits. Yeah. Right. Like trying to individually imagine all those things is tough. Like, have you seen that video of uh, they try to compare the earth to the size of the biggest star oh, in the galaxy. I know that video. Oh my God. Is that the one where they zoom out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and God, it's I just like, that. it goes like from the earth to Venus or Mars or something. And then it goes like earth to the sun. And then it's like, well, the next biggest star is like three suns. And then it's like, well, the next biggest star is seven of those suns that oh, were God. each the size of three of our suns. And it just keeps going and going and then it stacks up. But the, <laughs> the scariest part about that video is the music that they put behind it where it's just slowly <laughs> building up and it is perfectly in time with the sense of anxiety that you have <laughs> and how just insignificant you kind are. Kind of like slow moving shepherd's Yeah, tones. it's terrifying in a way. I had had a a similar feeling when I had viewed the ocean. I think I had told you about this before, but I had been in Fernandina Beach in Florida, and I was walking along the beach really late at night to the point where I couldn't really see far out anymore because of how dark it was. And the sound of the ocean compared with like the darkness surrounding it and understanding that the ocean basically extends so far yeah. that it's incomprehensibly far. And I just had this feeling of like dread. You know, I was just like, oh, my God, like, I can't see the ocean. And I know it goes so far, but like I can feel hear, like it's going to grab you and drag it. you out. Kind of, sort of, you know, yeah. like the worst part about being on that beach was that, um, you know, when you're on the beach overlooking like storm season, you can see all the storms like way far out, mm -hmm. you know, miles out as they're coming in. And sometimes they don't even hit, but you can see them just like thunder, like going all over the place and like yeah. lots of like these big cloud and rain pockets, like. That was probably one of the most scary moments I've ever had to deal with. It was just like in the dark, twenty like 20 feet max from the ocean. But it wouldn't have freaked you out if it wasn't in the dark, would it? No, because I would have been able to like under, I guess, fathom it a little bit more mm -hmm. or see and have a gauging for how far it really is. But because it was dark and because I could audibly understand how big it was, it was a sort of overwhelming moment. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, right? Interesting, yeah. The the funny fear or phobia that I have always thought about whenever I think of phobias is a trypophobia. Oh, oh I know about that. Yeah, trypophobia it, is this. It's sort of an unofficial phobia, but it's ugh. the uh, it's the aversion to the sight of irregular patterns or clusters of small holes. <sighs> Maybe we can like, can you draw that uh, as part of the? Well, thumbnail? the only the big <laughs> the biggest one that I can think of is. 
like maybe pores and skin. Yeah, but like I, really, really close up macro images of pores and skin. I see that. Yeah, the macro images are gross. Yeah, there is a if you look it up on Google, Google, there's a uh, the first picture that comes up is just like the worst one. It's uh, it's really quite horrible. Well, I, I don't know if it incites the same feeling as me being scared of something. It's more like a feeling of disgust. Yeah, I'm just sort of like really averted. Like to my it. my skin crawls a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know, um, there's. The, there was this thing that my old boss used to bring to work every day. It was this shitty plant. Uh-huh. And like there was a fake plant in it and it had these like it had these little holes that you could put stuff in. Yeah. But they were just so like nasty. <laughs> I don't know what it was about. I just hated seeing it. For me, I think it's like if I have the feeling or the idea of that if I squeeze this thing, a bunch of liquid would just ooze out of the holes. I think that's kind of what makes me Ew. kind of repulsed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it. repulsive, right? Uh, yeah, it's like, that's, it's, yeah, that's a good word. For we're, it, not, right? we're not afraid of it. I just don't. Yeah, want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like take it out of my eyesight. Yeah. I think the worst one that I saw on the trypophobia sub was there was a, a horse hoof or a horse foot that was de hoof. <gasps> oh yeah. So I underneath that. underneath the it's hoof bristles. Right? Yeah, it's just like long sinewy things and then the the top comment on it was like imagine running a comb through it and i was like oh my god i want to throw up (laughs) because it it, i don't know if it was bloody but it looked really raw like bloody like just the muscles are exposed and tendons so anybody who's curious and you want to probably disgust yourself go ahead and look up trypophobia t-r-y-p-o Phobia. Yeah, it is fucking disgusting. Also, just so you know, underneath horse hooves are those weird bristle-like shit. Yeah. So search at your own, I guess. Risk. Yeah, exactly. That was just sort of like a give a go-ahead question. Those are like. Oh yeah. So let's let's well let's start with this though. What are like some fears that you have that may not be phobias, but like you know they're fears. Fears. Yeah. Um. And let's like rule out. Some of those big existential or metaphysical okay, things that okay. everyone tends to have. Yeah. Those are good cop The ones that are like the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff like, like that. The fear okay. of failure. Yeah, those are like, those oh, are kind of, those like are all. Pop fears, you know. Those are things that everybody yeah, can like, relate well, to. Welcome to being human. Yeah. You have the fear of failure. <laughs> I've got one. Okay. Mine is losing any of my senses. More so Fair. one of the main five senses. Yeah. Which are sight, sound. Touch or feeling, taste, and what am I missing? Hearing? I think I already said that. Oh. Vision, hearing, <laughs> taste. Damn it. Here's my idiot, idiot Welcome comment. Welcome to over. our podcast. We can't remember. <laughs> Why basic can't I remember things? this? Vision, sound. Oh, smell. Ah. Uh, taste and touch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but the idea of losing my eyesight. I think is the one that is the most worrying to me just because as humans we're so visually reliant mm. and I think it would be way different if I were born blind, you know? Yeah. Um, but since I've had my vision my whole life, the idea of losing that or losing the ability to hear and like yeah. becoming completely deaf, yeah. not just partially deaf, uh, that is kind of terrifying to me because, you know. Well, you know, like you build your entire world based on like the senses you've been sort of afforded yeah it's different i was when i had taken a class on um what is it asl i remember that i had learned that the deaf community is different they don't see themselves as being disabled in any sort of way because they create their world without the sense of sound Mm -hmm. so like 
their entire world is just like a soundless thing, but it's completely normal for them. Yeah. So to create your entire world and to under have this reality that you comprehend with sound and then to lose that sensory capability is like, you know, it's traumatizing. Yeah. It's horrible. It, I guess it's more of the fear of being debilitated or having to change the way I perceive things is what was scary to me. Yeah. I understand that. I mean, like, like I experienced that briefly at night because um, my eyes are so bad that they don't adjust in the dark. And so like what'll happen is I'll wake up and I just can't see anything. And like, I hate the feeling of not being able to like gauge how far I am from things. Mm -hmm. It's just really disorienting. And it's like the worst feeling because like I need to stumble around for a minute and figure out where I am. There was one moment that I remember really vividly. We were, uh, it was like, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And we were like, my brother and I were staying at your house for a summer. Okay. And I just remember waking up in the middle of the night and it was pitch black and I couldn't figure out where I was. <laughs> and I just completely forgotten that I was at someone else's house. Yeah. So I'm like digging around trying to find what I thought was my room and only to find this window. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and I feel like it kind of sort of panicked a little bit until I was able to like, uh, I think I found someone's foot and I immediately oh, remembered. I remember I'm like, that, oh, I'm yeah. here. Like, oh, I'm back. That's, oh, okay. Another one that I have is uh, probably getting like Alzheimer or dementia. See, that was going to be my answer. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Give your, you give your take so, on it first yeah, since so, I went last. So like, you know, getting dementia or like having some sort of big neurological disorder is what is probably my biggest fear just because I, I really pride all the work that I've done to like create this, per, my personality mm-hmm. and to like cultivate certain parts about it all the special traits about it. And I'm also just like proud of all the work that I've done and like, you know, being able to uh, cultivate like our, co- like being able to have conversations yeah. or like all the practice that I've done and all of the studying that I've done. I, I value all of that a whole lot. And so the loss of all those functioning capabilities is like the biggest fear for me just because it's like all of my hard work just like down the drain, Yeah, you know, and just completely useless now. And the other part about it is that I become... I guess handicapped in a way that I'm a burden to other people and that everyone has to take care of me. You know, I really appreciate people who are in those situations and like have to put their lives on hold for that. I just don't want to be the cause of it ever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. For that part of it, I didn't even think about, but that's also a terrifying aspect of it. But yeah, the whole idea of, for me, I think it's the becoming a husk of either what I once was or just at not at all resembling who I was before. That is kind of the thing that terrifies me. Just say, at one point in time, I was this, but somewhere down the line, like I became nothing essentially, but a bag of meat. That that is what's scary to me. Because right. like, and I mean, for a a being that bases its entire being on like its brain, you know, like we our whole lives in reality are created by this thing. Yeah. To lose that whole sensory capability or a way of understanding it and making it comprehensible for us or comprehensible is like, that's traumatic. Yeah. The most traumatic thing. And you, you wouldn't be able to even maybe be able to basically understand it, but it would just be this thing that happens. Yeah. And I, I guess like there's a, cer- a certain helplessness that goes along with it as well. Right. Yeah. I think there are some cases where people who have it, I don't say that they would know that they have it, but it's sort of like they're imprisoned in their own body in a sense. Yeah. Or there's maybe like an inner voice that's like, they know who they were, but their physical body can't function that way anymore. So, or, or like their brain is capable of having complex thoughts, but they can't 
express uh, it. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have the speech and motor functions anymore. Yeah, like right. that that aspect of if that is an aspect of Alzheimer's or dementia, then that that part would really freak me out too. I think that almost seems worse, like being completely aware that you have the capability to comprehend and to express, but you but can't you can't do yeah. it because of a some sort of fucked up thing. Some it's limitation. like it's like being Here's another fear that I just thought about in relation to that. Okay. Being lucid during a coma. Think oh, about how horrible that would be. You you mean like okay, would the lucidity be seeing your entire being like third person or would it be you're still your, in your first eyes, person? So can, like so like move. sleep paralysis type yeah. stuff. Yeah, except for that but you, you just can't you, you really can't, can't move and you're stuck <sighs> in your body. Then that's like uh Metallica 1 <laughs> Isn't that basically what the the I idea think, of the music video is? I think so. Although I, I think that it's more based on like you lose all of your limbs because of a landmine. Oh. And then you just can't move because of it. You got you, you get Lieutenant Danned. <laughs> yeah. You can't do much. But I'm thinking of a coma like you have zero way of expressing like things that are happening to you. So it's like you can still hear things you around can you. You hear things. You just can't speak. Oh. You can't move any muscle. There's I must nothing. scream, but I have no mouth. Yeah, yeah. I had a roommate who had told me about he had this cousin who was in a coma, but was apparently like had the brain function to, to like keep him going. Okay. But he was just in a coma and they couldn't get him out of it. And what he had told me was that his, his uh, cousin who was in the coma, you know, inevitably like killed himself via self-thought. Like, he focused what? so hard that he was able to off himself. Like, he, he did, like, a Padme in Star yeah. Wars and lost the will to live? I guess, or something where, like, he used meditation to just stop his heart. And that's kind of scary. Freaky, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that story. If that's a real thing, then Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> if I just was one day, like, nope, I just don't want to anymore, and then you just drop dead. Yeah. Like, that happened? Yeah, you just want to, like... There's just oh. a kill switch somewhere that you can you just trigger. Gotta, you got to find it real deep inside. Oh. Just And there it is. And then you're just dead. Yeah. Oh. And, <laughs> well, I mean, if you snip your, your brain stem, then I guess... I mean, Would that, you die if you snip your brainstem? Because it stops sending signals. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I, we're I'm not, not anatomy. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to confirm our fears? Yeah, let's do this hypothesis yeah. thing, right? Oh. Are there any of these fears that become phobias for you, though? Are you irrationally afraid of anything? No. Um, I mean, maybe not, not as you not as you know of right now. Yeah, right? I think part of it is too that we're still young, so we don't really know the possibility of these things happening to us yet. Yeah. So we're, I, I don't know about you, but I still very much feel in that stage of life where I'm kind of not invincible, but I still feel very capable huh. physically. Yeah. So I'm not super worried about it. Cause like, I don't know, I take care of myself physically. So yeah. I won't say realistically it won't happen to me, but I don't know the, the chances of some sort of crippling physical ailment probably won't befall me unlike it would somebody who's been living a strictly sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. Is it sedentary or sedentary? I don't know. Sedentary. Sedentary yeah. lifestyle. And I think that, like, as long as you're taking the right steps to not doing stupid decisions, like, yeah. don't Darwin like, yourself if yeah. you can help it, Don't right? do some crazy drugs that'll, like, fuck you up in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, teach their own, but, like, you gotta understand that that's a thing, right? Like, Yeah, you're always, for you hard party goers that do some of the crazy drugs, like, that's a very real 
possible side effect. I'm sure, you know, the people who have done them that know that that's a very real possibility, like experimented with it carefully or whatever, but still some, some sort of risk. So, but what would life be without risks? Right. I suppose. I think if I had a phobia, you know, the closest I've gotten to a phobia was, um, you know, I don't really know if I've ever gotten close to a phobia. I've gotten close to like having a really bad freak out when I was flying to Atlanta recently. And uh, there was a, a hurricane. Michael was just like in full force heading out to the Atlantic. And there was just these big bands of storm heading over Atlanta. And I was like, I was not in a good place heading out there. And like the turbulence wasn't great. But I think that'd be the only real phobia that I could probably think about now the fear of flying into a hurricane which mm-hmm. really isn't like <laughs> uh, nobody willingly yeah nobody situation willingly does happen, that yeah. but i think that if one were to be a thing it would be i i think it'd be most susceptible to uh, philosophobia like i just have this fear uh, this feeling that if i were to go out on a, like a fishing boat go you know two hours out yeah however many miles that is like i would be very uncomfortable the entire time i, I might not make it all the way out there yeah I mean, like, especially on, like, a fishing boat. Like, if you ran out of supplies or the gas, you didn't have enough gas or something. That's the thing. So I had the opportunity of doing that over the summer, and I was just like, I really should not do that. (laughs) Because, like, there's just for me, there's just too many variables that can, like, fuck up. You know, know, if if you get out there and you get caught in a current... Or you go out there and a storm just rolls in happenstance, like you're, yeah. you're boned, you know, you can't do much about that. Or it's like when people swim at the beach, if they swim out too far and then they get pulled oh, out by the turret. I hate that. Turret. Like, <laughs> I tried to combine tide, tide and current <laughs> together. Yeah, there's turrets out in the ocean that if you swim out too far, they're like, nope, you gotta, you gotta be and careful. they just kill you. <laughs> just like in the simulation. Yeah, just like in the simulations. Uh, no, dude, fuck that. I really don't like that at all. I think part of the fear of the ocean uh, is that it's just so unpredictable in a lot yeah. of cases. Well, that's what fear is, right? The things that are unknown, and that's why they're scary, because we can't understand or rationalize them so that's yeah. why we're afraid or you're cautious around them. I'd, I'd say that's a good that's a good working definition of it especially like if there's some sort of unpredictability with it mm-hmm. i think for me the uh definition of fear really falls into like a loss of control okay you know oh, there's a there's like a loss of control and an unpredictability about it and so like it really falls into that profound unknown because there's no way of truly uh i guess predicting how something is going to act and i think i think that really is a way that people express their phobias when there's a certain amount of uncontrol in a situation Mm -hmm. they express like that fight or flight response and that's sort of the basis of the phobia so like i can totally see that happening with bugs yeah or you know especially with spiders or like centipedes because like those things they move in such erratic ways that like i can totally understand the unpredictability of those little things yeah those things freak me out like even those even those house centipedes, man. Like oh, dude, I hate those things. Those things they're gross. Like, they get like a foot long, and they're just like it's well really for me. It's spiny. whenever you crunch. Well, first of all, they're really crunchy. So even if you I, I lightly grasp, I've I've had to you grab touched one. No, no, no. But I like grabbed it with a napkin and to Ew, take it off. But it, like dude, it squished in my hand. Why'd you do that? Because uh, what was I supposed to do? Just leave it there? I had to kill it somehow. Just take it outside. Uh, no. Be a humanitarian. Nah, that thing. If you're <laughs> in my domain you dead but yeah when those when you kill those things like their legs are really fragile so they just fall off and ugh. god fuck that uh, but i think the fear of bugs actually is or it's ingrained in pretty much a lot of 
mammals. Seems you know, like an evolutionary process. Yeah, you know, right? like how elephants are terrified of mice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same thing where it's something that's small that moves in an erratic way. It hmm. starts to freak out the bigger thing. Or that's why a lot of predatory animals like lions will back off against a smaller animal that is fearless because yeah. there's, like you said, the unknown where they're like, most of these other things that I'm killing are scared of me, but why is this thing that's way smaller than me still pissed off and trying to fight? And then you get scared. But yeah, there's sort of like a double psychology to it where it's like, oh, if they if they have this sort of thing on me, I don't have anything against this, so I might as well back off. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's got to be a reason for why they're doing it, even if it's just, you know, blind faith. Yeah, right? so like, for us with bugs, it's probably like we – there might be some sort of – DNA deep encoder in us that's like that thing might have poison and it might kill you if it touches you so stay away from it I think also that the, the ratio of like size to the amount of pain that a little bug can in, inflict on you is yeah. a big deal too you know like I'm sure that the person, the first person to get stung by a bee must have been like, wow, fuck that. I don't want to deal with this anymore. These like, things. I like the idea of the very early human who ever came into contact with a bee that got stung was just like, it wasn't screaming in pain, but they were just like, wow, that sucks. Oh, this is bad. I don't never know never again. Man. It's like, oh, bro, this sucks bad. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah that, if I if I could ever support any sort of idea of a of like a Neolithic human, it'd be that. <laughs> you get stung by a beast, fuck Cal- that. Calm, calm, but agitated. <laughs> nah. Uh, do you think your fear of the ocean has some tie with like something that happened to you? Is does that stem, or is it just a, a thing, could, an idea it, that invaded your thoughts? It and, could be. I don't know. I just like I, I think it, it might have something to do with. Uh, but I don't know, dude. I mean, I lived out in Hawaii for so long. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying, because you were surrounded by water for some time. Yeah, so. but I guess I've never really had, like, a big, like, huge instance of fear because of the depths. Mm. You know, I've never experienced it. I just, like, it might just be the vastness of the ocean that scares me, Not it's not its depth at all. It's really, like, understanding the vastness of its spread and the vastness of its depth is, like, trying to understand yourself against the vastness of space sort of deal. That big metaphysical quandary where it's like, oh my God, we're so small, uh, right? Yeah. And I think that's really the basis for that fear. Like Just, the feeling of being insignificant? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the, the introduction of the sublime, right? Mm-hmm. Where the sublime being having to go up against something that pushes your imagination so far that it, it makes it super uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And, and so like, the the basis of the sublime being you do that and then you overcome it and it's a good feeling. But this is like you just see it and you're kind of like, oh, sorry. And would, you, so, would you be more free? I've asked this before. Would you what? be more freaked out by the ocean if you could see to the bottom? Like if it was completely clear and you could see all the creatures and oh, all the that. things below you. Do you think that's more scary than it being pitch black water that you are just out in the middle of? Like say say I, I you were think, just in the middle of the ocean. I think it's both bad. I think they're both bad because like we I don't know which is worse. <laughs> like sort of trying to acquiesce the the, the depth of the ocean, yeah. like being so deep but you can't see it. Yeah. I think. But then I also think about if you're on a big cliff and you're looking down way far and you can see how far that is, yeah. like how terrifying it but is. But you're just up there. But like like think about being on a. What are those things in the ocean, like the drop-offs? Uh-huh. And imagine, like, yeah. looking down. Yeah, that's, all what, I'm, the that's way, what I'm saying. Like, right? if you're like above the Mariana Trench or something, and you could just see all nah, the way down. Dude. I think it's less of the idea of 
this is a so huge below me that freaks me out and more of the what if I see some crazy mythological creature that like what if Cthulhu is real <laughs> and we can now see him because the water is super clear like giant squids that would be freaky yeah like they're probably thousands of feet below you and would take a while to reach you but you're if you had clear eye shot of them or you were an eye shot of them or they were an eye shot well I just you're really getting it to you, <laughs> yeah it's really hitting you hard <laughs> like if some crazy giant squid could spot you at the bottom of the ocean is like I want you now and huh. then it swam up that'd be it, scary. it would really make the whole marine travel totally different yeah I think one really freaky thing about the ocean, which this podcast is becoming mainly about the ocean. Yeah, it kind of is. Is like when you go really deep that the pressure just increases exponentially. Oh. That, that's sort of fucky for me. Yeah. Like if you if you go too far and then you try and come back up too you fast, like you can just create air bubbles in your lungs that's, and die. Uh, that's the bends, right? Yep, that's mm-hmm. the bends. It sounds horrible. Ugh, man. Getting crushed by pressure, I think, is terrifying. Well, I've I've told you before that being buried alive. I think God, we actually talked about that on a different word. episode, but when did we talk about that? I don't know. It was when I mentioned the Justice League and Hawk Girl and how I confused her with being a hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I think it was actually somehow the last links to being there. buried alive. Uh, cuz there was an episode do I have to talk about it again? Hey, no, no. We'll, we'll just uh, It's <laughs> just a really claustrophobic scene and then it kind of incited like uh, I don't really understand. So wait, do you think that that played into any sort of weird childhood phobia for you? So like claustrophobic? I'm not. I don't think I'm claustrophobic because no. there have been times where people were like, "There's not enough room in the car. Can you sit in the trunk?" I'm like, yeah, "Okay, that's true." And, and I mean, I mean, you're the type of person you'd be able to sleep anywhere. I remember yeah. that was like one of your qualifying traits you'd tell us about. You're yeah. like, "I can sleep anywhere," and you'd fall asleep. Well, in, I mean, in when the I chair. used to sleep over, I just. Put some chairs together and yeah, call it a day. Aaron used to I'm sleep when he when he'd sleep over. He'd find like a spot underneath a chair and just yeah. sleep there. And he'd be like, it's "Dude, we can give you a pillow." And he'd be like, "No, it's fine. I'm good." And just do it. Well, that's the total opposite of what I've been feeling recently, <laughs> where I just lay in bed for six hours. I did that last night. Well, it wasn't six hours, but I'm pretty sure it was like I laid in bed for like two hours. I don't know. What do you do when you lay in bed for two hours? Try to go to sleep. Damn. That's the worst. <laughs> I know. I, I, oh, that would be scary, not being able to go to sleep ever. Ever? Yeah. But be, being more tired, I think that would freak me out a Dude, little bit. that's the worst, actually. So if you had to do that and you were forced to do that, it'd be terrible. I was awake for 36 to 37 hours, like last week or the week before that. Yeah. I was doing this. Uh, I had to do this paper thing or this presentation. It took me all night. And then I had to stay up until like 10, 30 the next day mm-hmm. to uh, to do all of these things during the day. And I just remember like there was a certain point in the day where I was just getting really paranoid of everyone and that like I started having auditory hallucinations. Yeah. And so like that's after not even two full days of sleeping, you know, or of not sleeping. There was one instance where I was walking on the street and um, I remember I was just so tired and I'm trying to get to my car and a runner goes past me, and I just have no conception that he's there, and I flip out. And I, like, jump two feet towards my car because I'm so afraid of it. <laughs> really? Like, that's, a, that's a sort of paranoia that hits you when you're, like, when you haven't slept for that long. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that'd be a terrible fate to have, a terrible fear to give uh, into. Did you have any childhood phobias? Uh, I don't know if it... I don't really think it's a phobia. Well, maybe it would have been at the time. So, when I was little... I used to be absolutely terrified of 
anything scary. So I mean, that if, sounds pretty general. <laughs> well, yeah, but let me reiterate: like, okay. if you went to a Target and you went to the Halloween aisle with all the costumes and stuff, like, I would, I would not even go really? near that aisle because it's scary. I don't know the like scary imagery and ugly faces of the masks and stuff. I just didn't like it, and I didn't want to look at it so it freaked me out and i want to say that stemmed from my sisters showing me a screamer when i was really really little oh man Um, for anyone who doesn't know screamers thank god they're not very prevalent anymore um but like early 2000s internet they were all over the place but screamers are basically just some random jump scare that was inserted in like a random thing. So it would, the one that got me that my sisters showed me was it was a picture of like a room and it was like spot the difference between the, the image that we show you here and then the image that you show you there. And the, the image, it, it would, it told you to just look at it and you know, you're looking for the differences that it tells you. And then out of nowhere, some scary demon ghost face comes out with, really loud audio that just spooks you just "Ah!" and really really loud and i vividly remember it was at my cousin's house i was probably like seven years old and when it happened i screamed at the top of my lungs and then i jumped out of the chair backwards onto the ground and i like curled up in fetal position with my hands over my head and my ears and i was just sobbing oh man because i was fucking i know i was seven years old and that shit scared me and that would scare me to death day i hate jump scares like yeah i can i can do like atmospheric horror and like scary movies sure but i i just hate jump scares how do you deal with the scary the scary jump scares in scary movies i (laughs) there's your stupid comment of the redundant comment of the week um i don't know i generally don't like watching horror movies anyways so same but if they're if there are scary movies i'll i'll do the looking peeking through my eyes or if if i have to i'll like bury my face into my shirt (laughs) so you know the the typical take a girl to a scary movie so that she'll be scared and hold on to your arm no i'm the girl i'm the girl in that situation where i am 110 percent burying my face into their shirt and being like i'll get me out of here dude i was watching uh, the what is it? The Haunting of Hill House with Kelby recently. Okay. Do you know about that? Mm-mm. It's a new Netflix horror show that's apparently very good. But I was watching the first episode and I was doing that thing too. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like putting my my fingers over my eyes in a little gradient way so that I could see a little bit. Yeah. I used to do that thing too with like when I used to watch gaming videos on my phone and like I see something scary, I'd like shift the phone so I <laughs> yeah, couldn't see. Yeah, that's exactly so what I, I couldn't see it in full view; it'd just be like a little angle. Yeah. Of it. So you know how I told you before? Sometimes when I'm staying up late, I'll get stupidly, morbidly curious and start watching all these like creepy pasta things, like video game creepy pastas. Back in the early days, from when like Sonic.exe came out and all the creepy pastas for video games, like Legend of Zelda, Ben Drowned, all the classics, when those started coming yeah. out, I, I would watch tons of YouTube videos on them. And I kind of do sometimes every now and then, but I would scroll the video all the way down until where I could only see a sliver of the bottom of the screen. <laughs> and I would turn down the volume <laughs> and I would kind of play it slowly or like kind of skip frame by frame until a really bright image came up. And then I'd slowly scroll up and be like, is this a jump scare? <laughs> but thankfully there were 
our heroes in the comments that would be like jump scares are posted at these times and i would frantically look for those and being like oh thank god that somebody did this so when the timestamp came up to the video if it was like jump scare at two minutes i'd be like okay try time to turn the volume down and not look at the image because it's scary so that's sort of a really interesting thing about being afraid of something i've always thought that when I'm afraid of something or when I like, I really have an aversion to it. It's paired with a morbid curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I experienced this really heavily when I was first introduced to horror genre movies. Okay. Um, the first one I had watched was scream and that was easy. That was like, you know, they're like semi comedy, but well, the thing is I can deal with any of those like slasher movies because I, I don't know. There's something about it that makes it easier for me to deal with. The ones that really got me was when I, when I started watching paranormal, like yeah those really fucked with me it's be, like and it's stuff. and it's that same thing we talked about earlier it's like the unpredictability and the sort of loss of control is really what it is yeah. like not being able to understand what the actions are of like the sort of entity in the movie and so like what happened after that was i got like morbidly curious with like the whole thing i knew that it would make me scared to look stuff up like that mm-hmm. but i would yeah and so like i i think the fear surrounding that whole idiom for me was like not understanding it completely and not being able to. And so like it was paired with wanting to look at it. And so I think that's interesting when like, you know, you, you know, it's going to fuck you up, but like there's still, you want to look at it, even if it's the most small sliver of thing, right? You want to get into that. It's like finding a link in a Reddit thread. That's like, risky click and you're like oh, should I, I do it yeah, I, I always yeah. find those in the in the what the fuck like yeah like nsfl oh my god yeah i i actually got hit with one of those um those screamer videos just recently <laughs> really I felt really sad I, about I, it because I, it's I like i got that got shit, man dude. like it's like oh man i got got from something in the 2000s like i'm better than well, this before when screamers were around it was pure terror that would get me and nowadays if i get scared by a jump scare it just pisses me off like i just <laughs> i get angry like yeah I, I jump and i get scared but i i don't know getting scared i know there's totally a group of people that enjoy the feeling of being scared and that's the people who like going on you know haunted hikes or haunted houses yeah. but for me like getting scared just incites anger after it happens because i'm just like fuck off dude are you I, the type of person to like punch an actor at a haunted house? well okay so i thought about that the past few weeks too because i was like say somebody jumped at me with a scary costume like in that that famous video of the dude who comes out of the the uh the recycling bin in a high school and then the guy turns around and just hits him in the face. Yeah. I like to think that I would totally be the guy who's macho <laughs> enough to do Nail the more fight the instead of the flight. Yeah. But there's a part of me that I'm pretty sure would also cry like a bitch and just like <laughs> scream like a girl and just run away. So my, I don't know. my experiences in haunted houses have just been so bland, like lame. Like I've been through a few and anytime I'm like, I encounter something that's kind of scary and I'm just kind of like, haha, like it's someone in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's not anything to be actually afraid of, and I just go through it. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a haunted house that's actually really close to here. It's apparently 16 levels of it or some shit. Yeah. And like if you get all the way up through 16 levels, they give you your money back. How I'm much like, how much is this thing? I think it's for like $30 a ticket. Oh. I'm kind of inclined to do it just because I'm like 
dead inside when it comes to haunted <laughs> houses. Well, if you want to do it, you can report back to me, but I am no way in hell doing that. Why so. not? We could have that morbid curiosity nope. thing where you, you maybe you'll punch I told you, I'm going to be the, I'm gonna be the girl that I'm going to just like bury my face into your shirt the whole time. Like, I can't. No. <laughs> no, thanks. So, if I... <laughs> If I get a okay, hey, hey, all you girls, if you're trying to date me to take me to a scary movie, I'll totally be crying into your shirt the whole time because I don't like that. So you gotta take Aaron to take Aaron to like a semi-serious movie so you can do like that commentary on it. Mm, You know that that like fourth-person objective commentary. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Last time I was on a haunted hay ride. Are those even haunted? They're not really. It's just like you sit in a little wagon and you go, right? Yeah, and then people jump out at you every once in a while, and there's a dude with a chainsaw that doesn't have a chain. And at last time I was did that, I was pretty young too, probably like 11 or 12, and I coped with that by trying to make it funny. So that was my... I've learned that trying to make things funny was my coping mechanism. So hmm. I know some of my other friends have that too, because I know when one of them went through a haunted house... Uh, his friend instead would try to scare the the people that were scaring them, which in my head really? makes it a lot of funny. It makes it way funnier. And I know that totally ruins it for some people because they're there to be experienced for, of being scared. Yeah. But I think turning that into a funny situation makes it bearable for me, which is like how I probably cope with scary things. I don't understand the whole junkie mentality like that. Like, wanting to be scared or wanting to have those moments of adrenaline. No. I guess I'm just, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, so I don't get it. Like, have you ever frequented, you know, Arshla's uh, Sweaty Palms? Yeah, I have. I, you know, I, I don't understand the attraction with I that. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure the idea of that, the, yeah, the adrenaline that people get from hanging thousands of feet from something versus somebody going to a haunted house is closely linked because they like the rush, you know? It's almost like an antiphobia, right? Like, uh, yeah. it's it's not being afraid of it. It's like conquering it with really stupid courage. But can you even call it overcoming a fear if they repeatedly do it to themselves? Well, I don't know if it's overcoming as much as just being anti. Like, mm. you know, they're just like, they've uh, defeated the fear before it could ever become this big irrational fight or flight response. It's all flight. That's and it's true. all fun. So... And I mean, it must be a certain person, a type of personality or whatever. It's not me, though. Yeah. Like, even on roller coasters, man, I'm such a bitch. Like, really? I used to be scared of roller coasters, but then my friends forced me to go on one, and now I like them. Really? Yeah. I can do a few of them. I just, like, I think for me, it's still, like, I think about if I were to die on a roller coaster, I would just be mad about it. It's like... <laughs> Your come, ghost would haunt the Six like, Flags? come on, like could have died any other way but i died on a roller coaster that's on me man like, i'll say i'll do roller coasters but i won't do giant drops i don't like yeah drops. that's totally true i i just really won't do a giant drop or like the last thing i refused to do at six flags was um after the giant drop was the was the whole v2 thing oh i did that okay i, I yeah. really didn't feel like doing that that one was probably the most stomach dropping out of any of the roller coasters. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. The, the butterflies you get in your stomach when yeah. you fall. Oh my god! It's like when you ride the plane and they just like whoop and they're yeah. going down like just I don't know, like a couple that. hundred feet. I, I I get that feeling when I play video games sometimes. Like really? Yeah. So if you're <laughs> let's take an example of Minecraft. If you're really high up and you just see yourself falling and rapidly approaching the ground like i kind of get that feeling in my stomach and i'll really? just be like oh yeah i really don't like it happens that, that when i was playing 
Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I did a glitch and it shot me like super high into the air. Oh shit. And I looked down and I was falling into a valley and before I hit the ground I was like, ooh and in reality, like nothing's happening to me. I'm sitting in a chair in my room all comfy, but something about the imagery of something Dude, think about how you'd react to VR, man. I know well I don't okay, if I, when I get a VR set, I don't know if I'm gonna do any of the those crazy sensory things where they'll put you out on a scaffolding like yeah. above a city, but well, I'm mostly in it for Beat Saber. Hey, when I get one, let's let's try to do them and see. I was gonna say uh, when you get one. So wait, how do those things work? Would well, it be VR? yeah? Would would it be a console? And then if you bought like another headset, you'd be able to use it. Well, VR, there. It's just the. It's basically they're taking the monitor and yeah. just putting it on your eyes. So you okay. need a computer for it. Or... Oh, okay, so it's computer based. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say we should do a a podcast where we do a VR podcast and we experience it. There are people who do podcasts in VR. Really? Know? Yeah, they do. They use VR chat and they have their avatars and they talk. Huh. Well, it's kind of cool. But if we do VR stuff, I'm not playing any scary horror games because dude, fuck that. Like, I, I, I already I can hate... Just, I can just <sighs> imagine like doing VR like Amnesia, like the, the base Ugh. horror game and I would just be freaked out the whole time. See, like a lot of those games I'm already accustomed to because I've already seen them but on a flat screen. I don't know, man. I so if I was put in that in yeah. person, I think I would be way freakier. I was uh, playing Amnesia like a little bit, you know, maybe a year ago, and I'd already watched through so many of these mods and so many of the scary shit that goes on in it, but like, it's still kind of freaky when you're playing. Yeah, it. well, that's the thing, because I liked watching scary, and to this day, I do kind of like watching scary game playthroughs, but that's watching other people watch a screen yeah there's no auto- it's, it's way different than when you're controlling it so like spoilers for doki doki literature club back when i first watched it through the playthroughs of other people it was f- awesome it's funny is i like seeing the other people's reactions to it and them getting scared and then when we but then played, when we played it, it oh my god uh, i like reverted back to when i first watched the playthroughs of them and got scared of it myself and oh dude the best know. part was we were drunk, and so oh, like yeah. there's sort of less inhibitions towards how we would, I guess, uh, use decorum in our speaking, and so it just got it just got real natural. <laughs> so all those fears are real fears. Maybe we should do like a a scary stream every Halloween season. A scary stream would be really fun, actually. Yeah. Just like see, I, I can with scary. I think with scary movies and scary games, I can only do them if I'm with other people. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I definitely wouldn't have subjected myself to Doki Doki Literature Club by myself. Dude, no way, man. Uh, I wouldn't do it even, by myself even like, either. Even, like, Amnesia, I wouldn't do that by myself. Like, when I watch those scary gameplays or scary views of people playing them, I think I'm only okay with it because there's the sense of another person, not in the room, but there's another person who's experiencing it along with me. Yeah. And so that sort of dampens the scary effect on me where it's like, I can kind of relate to this other person who's also seeing the same scary stuff as me. So it's like, ah, it's not just me. But if it's just me playing Dead Space or some shit, I'd probably be freaked out. Oh my so. god, Dead Space is freaky. Dead too, Space dude. is pretty good. Well, nowadays I see it more of an action than a yeah. But when I, I played thriller, Dead Space but. two once, and it was That's just like one. that was really freaky to play. Well, so how effective do you think is music for you as an indicator of something scary? That I think. The auditory part of it scares me more than the visual part. I agree. Um, because with jump scares, it's I can look. I, I've thought about it before. Where the one of the classic images that they use for jump scares is the Exorcist girl. Yeah. And so I've seen that. I, you could Google it. You can just 
Google Exorcist Girl, and I've seen the image. And after, obviously, I don't like looking at ugly, scary things. I like just don't want to see it. But if I see an ugly, scary face after a while, it's just you sort of get desensitized to it, where you're like, well, it's just this image that's in front of me, right? But the auditory part of the jump scares, where it's the really loud, sudden yell, that's what freaks me out, I think, more, because it's very quick and in front of you, and you can't really do anything to stop it. Um, I don't know, the auditory sense of, auditory part of scary things, I think, is what makes it worse. Because, you know, with scary movies, they always use, like, the water phone to build that anxiety in you, or the slow, high-pitched strings section. I was going to say, like, I think, especially in that, in Hitchcock's, um, what is that, Psycho? Mm-hmm. Those strings are so iconic. Like when you think of like a slasher movie, you think of those Hitchcock strings where like it's the really high shrieking strings and like it's it's so dissonant and so, uh, you know, incomprehensible that you really don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And especially when it's bombarding you. There was an interesting thing I'd read about music and sound is that there's really no way of deciding whether or not you get to hear something. It just happens, mm-hmm. you know, like it's sort of an op- an opposing force. So especially in, it's so effective for me in movies. Like one of the worst parts about scary movies for me is the buildup just because like, I know something's going to happen and there's that sort of expectation with expectation without delivering. And so like the, the slow rendering of music during a scary part of a movie that's building up is so effective for me just because like, you know, none of this music is supposed to be com- like comprehensible or like easily understandable. It's just meant to like drive this sense of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think the best example for me is um, when you play amnesia and you're in the spot where that monster's coming for you. Yeah. They have the, they have that music. It's just a, like a, a pitch. Oh, yeah. Right? It's just like, yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of like a, it's an oppressive sort of sound. Just a ringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ringing. and and the thing is that you can't stop it. The only way you get out of that is that you escape the situation, and so like or hit the mute button. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I mean, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Don't you're be the, like <laughs> you're, you're cheating yourself out of the true scare. So, but yeah, that's um that's a technique that I've seen a video on where the music that was used for a scary scene in a movie they tried to imitate the the beating of a heart. Yeah. So as the scare, I oh, guess, man. got That's closer, freaky. the whatever, I think they were using like drums and some sort of strings for it. Like it would progressively get faster and start to imitate your heart rate rising as if, you know, you were expecting this scary thing to come at you and the sense of dread that came along with it, which is super effective. You know, the, the people who can successfully pull off a score like that, that fits a horror scene very effectively. Yeah. That, I think that's very impressive. I don't like it, but I think it's very impressive. I don't like it either, man. It scares the shit out of me, dude. (laughs) I already talked about how I kind of deal with scary things. I try to make make it fun. Yeah. Make it funny. Um, I'm a very... I'm not going to call myself a comedian, but I like funny things. Like, I like funny movies. Not funny. humor, Humor is a very big part of my personality, so I think that being such a prevalent part of me has definitely become... Maybe not a crutch, but well, it's just uh, it's a natural way that you yeah, do it. it's a it's, it's a it's a thing that I apply to because I'm comfortable with it. So scary, not even necessarily just like scary movies, scary games, but any sort of scary or uh, anxiety inducing situation, I tend to try to apply some comedy to it, and that helps me. Isn't it like 
going for an interview for a job or something like that's scary in the sense that you're anxious for it or for studying for a test. And sometimes I'll like crack jokes about it. And, you know, um, one of the things that I've read was the way that a lot of people deal with near death situations is that they'll start laughing. Hmm. um, Yeah, Yeah. Almost out of like maniacally laughing, like totally out of left field. There have been a couple of anecdotal stories that I've read where somebody who was in like a car crash that very well could have killed them or like a saw blade or something like a machine broke in a saw blade, like just missed their head by inches. Like they start laughing and because their body just decided, Hey, laughing is how you're going to deal with this thing. Cause I guess their brain couldn't comprehend it at the moment. And they're just like, Oh, I got to do something to make sense of what happened. And then you just start laughing. So laughing is such a weird response. I think, especially in those really traumatic situations, I'm just thinking about, uh, this one instance where I was watching a video of uh, of Elvis singing a song like "Are You Lonely Tonight," and there's a certain point where Elvis can't sing it anymore and he cries, or not cries, but he's laughing all the way through the clip. It's really weird, yeah. um, and I think the background of it is that in the summer before that recording, his like wife had cheated on him, and so while singing the words, he had been affected by its meaning, and so he couldn't deal with the psychological trauma that those words inflicted and so he just started laughing was it, it like a jovial laugh or was it like a joker crazy person it's, laugh? it was a little more on the a little more on the maniacal but more desperate sort of laughing it's sort of like laughing to to get away from a situation you know and trying to induce some sort of like humoristic attitude in order to substitute it for the terribleness of the situation entirely. Yeah. I mean, I think I do the same thing with certain, depending on the situation, I'll try to impart some sort of humor on it, a really dry sense of humor that's like criticizing because I I know it, it's to sort of show myself that it's fake. Yeah. You know, because for things that scare me normally, it's like I'm watching some sort of movie or I'm like being, uh, I guess shown something that, like media that's scary and so like what i do is i try and criticize it cynically to make it seem fake and yeah. more objective and practical the thing that i do and i'm like really terrified of something is that i i take like a sort of optimistic nihilistic approach where it's like i think about how things just sort of would keep happening if i would have never seen this or consumed this media so like if i'm particularly scared of something i'll be like this this would be the same situation I would have been in if I hadn't seen this. Or, for instance, like, oh, I'm scared of something now and you're over there. Like, Aaron didn't see this and he's perfectly fine. So, like, there's really no reason to be afraid because, like, we're experiencing the same reality. But, you know, I just... Mine is uh, given to something else because I watch something stupid. You know, it's it's just sort of understanding that all the world just keeps turning... In, a, in in the same reality, and it's just your objective experience or subjective experience that changes things. It's the same thing when I like get performance anxiety. I just think about how like I'm gonna do this thing, and it's scary right now, and it's gonna give me the nerves. But like afterwards, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about it anymore. Like there's no reason for me to dwell on it, and everything's just gonna keep going, and nobody's gonna remember it in like a year or two, right? Yeah. It's sort of that sort of a that. Everything just sort of happens and keeps moving forward. That's just how I normally handle these like situations where I get scared. That's kind of I take a similar approach with certain things. I like you when it's a more of an anxious situation. I tend to remind myself that 
this is just a very small portion of my life. And like you, it's basically the world will keep going no matter what time won't stop for me in my situation. Like if I say have a, I have to have a talk with somebody that I'm kind of dreading, not saying that this is real, but let's say this hypothetical situation where I had to have a talk with a boss or something and I'm like, Oh, am I in trouble? I would remind myself that, you know, this is probably only going to be an hour of your life or something. And, you know, afterwards, like you said, nobody will call me out on it. Nobody will probably remember that it even happened. And then that gives me a little bit of solace. That's like, all right, well, you kind of just got to get through this and then everything will be okay at the end. Yeah, right. I know that one example of that is a lot of people I know don't like to go to the gym because they feel like everybody around them is judging them. And I'll tell this for everyone out there who's listening to this and has that fear People don't give a shit. Um, they barely remember what you look like next to you. Uh, people that are just there doing their own thing. But I know that that's a very real fear that some people have of, you know, the oh man, what is this person's thought of me? But yeah, nobody's gonna remember anything. So it's really all self-inflicted anxiety, and that can be applied for a lot of things. So. And also, like you know, just to go back on that, people who are judging you at the gym are just like. Yeah, the people that actually do that, fuck them. They're, yeah, they're I mean, not like worth those, those people are like going to the gym, like most likely not to do anything at all. Yeah, like any sort of true gym rat would is just like understanding that this is a process. So the gym like, is meant to be a place for people to improve themselves. Yeah, not right. to, so not a place thing. for judgment. So, but I think understanding that sort of objective reality around you is like oh, a good way of quelling fear, especially that one way that I that I sort of expressed where. It's like if I watch a scary movie and you don't and I'm afraid of that movie in the moment and I understand that Aaron didn't watch that movie. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of anything else because that movie didn't happen for him. It's sort of a nice calming factor because it's like, oh, like life is continuing onward despite this stupid thing that I did to myself. Right. And I think that's like a good way of uh, of trying to manage some fears like that, taking a really practical approach to understanding them and taking it like sort of emphasizing empathizing with another person and how they might view reality in relation to yours mm-hmm. you know that's sort of a, a nice way the way that my parents always taught me and this is something that is always good too like just think think of something like happy right like yeah. i think whenever yeah, go to a happy place whenever whenever i used to have like nightmares and i would tell them about it they'd always be like oh just think of like mickey mouse and like you know you can't be mad when you think <laughs> of there's mickey a mouse. mickey mouse creepy pasta don't do that to me <laughs> don't taint this for me man i, I need this <laughs> this is still my backdrop sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know now i'm just getting a thing of like you think about mickey mouse and he's just like i'm gonna fuck you up huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to ruin that for you. I, I would be down for a, a like a belligerent Mickey Mouse, just not a creepy Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Mickey Mouse.exe sort of style. Going to a happy place is a good idea. That's actually sort of one of the ways that I dealt with getting over the fear of public speaking. Yeah. Um. And did you have fear of public speaking? I don't know if it was exactly a fear. It was more like I didn't like to do it. But now I have I have zero problem. Really? Yeah. I, I absolutely have no problem. Like if you needed me to be a presentator presenter. For something, the only the only nice. the only aspect of presentations that uh, makes me nervous is the preparation for it and the idea of me stumbling over my words and not really correctly articulating my thoughts. Um, but the the act of going out in front of a bunch of people and 
talking about something doesn't bother me at all. And uh, one of the ways that I dealt with that was like you, I thought about happy, like I went to my happy place. It was probably like thinking about a funny SpongeBob episode or something while you were talking. That one part where like, you know, that one episode where Squidward's like, just imagine he's in his underwear and then he goes, oh no, he's hot. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel like what happens to most people who tell that as like a, a way to quell anxiety. Like just imagine everyone's in their underwear. Like, I don't want that. It would probably make me start laughing if that happened. But yeah, that, that was one of the ways I dealt with them. Uh, the other way that I dealt with public speaking was that I sort of told myself, you're brave enough to go out and do that in the first place. And that can also be applied, I think, to more other fears that for the person who's trying to face their fear, if you can tell yourself, hey, you're brave enough that you're somebody who can go out and do that. And there are people out there who are too scared that they wouldn't do that. It's sort of like an ego boost. Yeah. And that ego boost sort of helps you get through it. And that's part of what help me get rid of my fear of speaking in front of people where it's like, I'm pretty sure there are a ton of people in this crowd that would be terrified to speak in front of all these other people, but check it out. I'm out here. I'm doing it. So I'm sort of a badass in that sense. That's right. It's cool. That's right. And I mean, I heard of it for me in the most technical way where you're faking it. till you make it. Yeah. Right. That it's like, that's a cliche line, but Hey dude, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of weird with that. I'm really good at talking in front of a lot of people. I can just do it. Yeah. Like, I'm very happy to give presentations or to, like, do some sort of speech or anything. I love that. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, performing musically, it's the most horrible, nerve-wracking thing. Yeah, I don't know sure. what it is. I think it's because that's a different craft or you're expressing yeah. a thing differently than speaking words. And there's also different types of etiquette that involves, yeah. like, different situations. I just think it's the, the funniest irony that, like, for someone whose life is oriented around performance and, like being in front of people it's harder to do that than it is to present something yeah where it's like i feel comfortable and at home there and i think it's for for that kind of thing i think it's more of a exposure over time helps that fear go away rather than a one-time deal yeah because uh, face your fears can also mean it doesn't have to be a one-and-done thing it can be slowly expose yourself to the thing or gradually start off with a small bit of it and then get to the root of the cause and do more of it and do more of it. And eventually it'll go away. But yeah, I think with performing on stage, it's like your first concert would probably be way more nerve wracking than your 10th or your 11th. Yeah. You'd think so. Hopefully by then it would be a little bit, but you know, it's varying degrees for different people. So yeah. But a lot of people have a sort of performance anxiety. It's like when you're, you extend yourself out into this, like, you know, massive people to be judged almost relentlessly. And there's that sort of agreement that, okay, here's my art and you can judge it. Yeah. And so I think that's really the main fear about it. And so there's a certain, the situ, the situation is totally different between like public speaking and performance, although it bears some sort of like relative irony, yeah. you know? And public speaking, I think was documented as one of the biggest, most common fears that everybody has. No, well, yeah. I think it's because it's that same thing. You're like, you're on, you're being judged on the same grounds using the same language and you're being thrust into this position where you're now so completely vulnerable. Yeah. So see, now I'm starting to think about how I would feel differently if we recorded this live in front of a, like an audience, like yeah. in a studio, like right now, obviously we're cool. Cause it's just us and we're just hanging out yeah. and that's the soul of the podcast. It's just us hanging out. But I'm trying to imagine 
how different it would be. And if I would have like that performance anxiety where I can't speak right, or I'd be scared to put out certain thoughts if I had other people at the moment listening to me, which is kind of a weird thought because the whole nature of us recording this and putting it out there means that there is, yeah, there is an audience that will hear all these thoughts that we're laying bare. But I feel like in my head, if I had a physical person next to me, it would be a way different story. Yeah. I think it's like there's a, that shield in front of us where it's like we're having this, we're condensing all this information and then putting it out there as opposed to there's no shield. People are listening to it as it comes out of our mouths. Yeah, That's I, the editing process is our shield yeah. and it keeps us from saying anything or putting anything out there that we would find questionable. Yeah. Or even like little intricacies of our speech patterns that we don't like very much they can be edited out in subtle little ways. But when you're in front of a whole audience like that, which is really interesting because there are plenty of podcasts that go live and do it in front of a live audience and do that sort of shit. Right. And that's like, you know, an essence of some of those shows, you know, there's that sort of fear of putting yourself out in front of people to be judged. And I think it would be similar to the first one that we did. I remember when we first aired a podcast, I was completely nervous actually. Really? Yeah. I was like, so un, uh, unaware of all the little things that you have to take into account, like having to keep conversation in a specific way mm-hmm. and having to hold conversation in a little bit of a different way it, to where it's, you know, you have to cultivate a certain comfortability when you're recording. Yeah, and, You know, and I, I was just thinking about how there's definitely a, an etiquette towards recording process. Like when we first started, there were so many things we didn't take into account like how we recorded things, what we recorded on, maybe what sounds we needed to put away and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so like now how we're talking, we definitely have a sort of podcast etiquette yeah. that we've cultivated over the last few months. And that's something that you know informs how we do it here in this one setting. But to do that in front of a bunch of people, it would require that we develop a different language or a different etiquette of performing in front of these people. Yeah. I think it's also the idea that, like you said, the editing acts as a shield. So it's sort of like a, a, there's an undo, there's literally an undo button. Whereas if you were doing something live, if you say something that you didn't mean to, or like was accidentally offensive, like that's just like, yeah, you can't, you can't take that back. And I think that having that extra pressure of sort of somebody's like, don't screw up that, that sort of, makes it a little bit more scary but here we're we're all safe so we can say any this of the is offenses. this is every safe space right and here. i'm about to say some offensive stuff in three two one no i'm just kidding I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't edited either it was just a straight take <laughs> believe us there's no yeah edit back, there. back me up on there i <laughs> I, I totally would have made it obvious if i if i edited it in yeah, that blank silence isn't just us editing it out. Yeah. Or is it? It was comedic effect. See, we're dealing with things in <laughs> funny, funny. Yeah, because we're way. afraid of it. We're yeah. terrified of yeah, this process. Of yeah, see, that's why we're doing this. Um, but the, <laughs> your, your comment earlier of uh, being recorded or not, not even being recorded, when you were talking about you performing in front of people and being judged, one of my irrational fears, it's not even irrational. It's kind of just a funny passing thought that I had that would, if it was real, it'd be scary. But I had this idea of what if everyone around me can actually read my mind and my thoughts, but they're just not telling me about it. 
Don't say and that. And so they're silently judging me, even though they're outwardly showing it as if everything was okay. And <laughs> it's like, it's not real because people aren't mind readers. But in my head, I'm just like, Dude, Let me tell you about if? this dumb thing that I've I had in my head since I was in like second grade or so. <laughs> I used to think that I was mentally disabled okay. and that <laughs> my parents created this world for me so that I could live a really good life. And everyone I met was just paid to do it. Like a Truman Show yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I thought my, like when I was young, I was like, what if this whole thing is fake what if everyone's what if my whole life is the stage and people just enter it and do things that are good because my parents asked them to see it's the same idea what if i'm what if it's like every the guy who i'm next to in the grocery store like has a complete history on me and he's like i know what you've done but he's just like (laughs) hey stranger you trying to reach the peanut butter i'm like yes why is he southern i don't know that was the first thing i (laughs) why is the southern man the sort of like oracle into your thoughts (laughs) i don't know what am i supposed to give him yes i know what you do i know what you think in the darkness It's like, well, gosh, I think that you, I know what you did last summer. That would be the worst if Goofy was your oracle. Like, if Goofy could read all your thoughts <laughs> and he just confronts you. He's like a, a random event, just pops up. <laughs> He's like, I know the dirty things you did last weekend. <laughs> it's like, no, Goofy, please. I know what you do in the nighttime. I know what you're doing in the nighttime. Yeah, that, that's my personal hell, I think. I think that's like circle number five for me. What? Goofy, Goofy. is my personal oracle telling yeah. me all of the wrong things. If you read Dante Infer- Dante's Inferno, the, yeah, circle the five editors is. know circle five. It's Goofy there. Yeah, we should we put out our edition <laughs> personal circles of hell. We should do another episode on that. Like, just. We should cir- make a nine circles yeah, of hell. A nine yeah. circles of hell podcast. Oh, that'd be great. Tune in for some time. Sometime. We'll do the nine circles we'll, we'll of hell. We'll do that. We'll come up with our own personal hell. That would have been really good if we had been airing in like June of 2006. We could have done a 666 circles oh. of hell cast. Is that going to roll around again? When's Not the for next another time? millennia, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> Sorry. Feel- I don't know. What if we find immortality? Okay. Here's a, here's a fear. Would. would uh, does the idea of immortality scare you? Depends on the situation. Am I allowed to keep my body or do I rot away and wither away just I'm still alive and conscious? Uh, let's say you can, your body just keeps aging. Okay. Do I feel pain? Mm, yes. It's, it's our bodies as they are now, but you can't die of an illness or of old age. Oh, like the invincible man shot into the sun <laughs> but can feel pain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, under, like assuming I'm not shot into the sun, I'd be fine with that. Like even if your body just you age to the point where you're sort of just a wilted thing, and you're just you're just stuck there. I guess that would just suck. It's like I just be like, well, what happens like, what happens when you like get some sort of bad degenerative neurological disease, and then you outlive it, and then you're just kind of like, hey, I'm then back. you're just screwed. You're stuck with it forever. Yeah, I guess so. I don't oh. think I'd, I don't think I'd want to be immortal. I think I don't think I'd want it. I'd want that. Either. I think like for me, it's you know the stereotypical vampire that's lived bajillions of years and now they're bored. I think that would happen to me first. Have you ever watched uh, go crazy? What We Do in the Shadows? No. What is oh my that? god, you got to watch that. Uh, so so another way of quelling your fears is watching mockumentaries of said fears because they make light comedically of those things yeah, there you go what's we, what we do in the shadows is a mockumentary of uh vampire culture it's basically <laughs> these these th- uh, four vampires who live together as roommates in new zealand <laughs> okay and they go out and they have fun and they do vampire things and like like sucking blood yeah they do that and there's <laughs> there's, there's like 
I don't know. They have funny backgrounds. Like, like one part of it is like, oh, Peter's like the the young, like the the off the rails vampire. And it's like they show his name. He's like 120 years old. <laughs> it's stuff like that. It's like really funny oh, shit with vampires. It's really dry humor. But I want to look at it. You should definitely watch it. I think. Do you have Amazon Prime? No, not anymore. I'll give you my account. It's, nice. uh, it's free on Prime. His, oh, he's giving it to me right now. His email and password is. Beep. <laughs> I actually found out the other day that the censored sound that you hear on TV yeah. is supposedly a copyrighted sound. No way. Yeah, if you use it in your own videos, I guess, if and you get found out, you can get flagged for it. So people have to censor their sounds with different things like... <laughs> what the... Sometimes when I say... You... In... I... Yeah, I don't know, just... Future me, put it in a bunch of different Jesus, sounds. Dude, you can't do. say those things on the yeah. air. It's well, horrible. Like we said, we have the editing shield. So that's right. Thank you, editing shield. What you say? So I hope that in our memeing of fears, we've taken you away from the deep, dark chasms of fear that Aaron and I would have experienced otherwise. Yep. <laughs> I swear, getting close to the middle of this one, I was like, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna think about Start this at night. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. Dude, I'm telling you, when I go home, I'm probably gonna watch some like Sonic EXE don't, shit. I don't know why you do that to yourself. I don't know it's either. Some sort of like flagellation well, sort of thing. Well, part of the reason why I it. think I somewhat enjoyed looking at video game creepypastas was uh, I found uh, PewDiePie per- pretty early on when his channel was pure. Yeah, his, when his channel composed was comprised of like scary gameplay videos like him and markiplier i walked i watched them way back in the day like early on to their channels and they did like all like the early runs of amnesia oh yeah and, uh seeing their reactions and them getting scared was kind of what got me into having fun with watching other people play scary games and yeah. getting scared i did the same thing yeah. like every day after school i just watched like a scary pewdiepie video yeah before this channel became a repository for children yeah and sometimes me yeah <laughs> well, we're we're garbage, but you know what? It's called a trash can, not a trash cannot. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so there's your life lesson, kids. If there was any sort of moral we were trying to impart on you today, it's that. Yeah, you are a trash can, not a trash cannot. And you can trash can get over your fears oh. using common <laughs> shit. <laughs> that really didn't work so well. Oh, it didn't. <laughs> uh, you got anything else you want to add? I don't. I'm coming up, coming up pretty. I'm happy with, with the long arc that we've created with this sort of thing. I do, yeah. Right? I think we've really covered a lot. If you think that we need to cover anything more on fear and phobias and other things, give us a shout-out on any of your favorite social media accounts, because <laughs> we're there. We're totally existing. I don't know. Do you want me to make a Twitter and like an Instagram and stuff for it? You tell us. I say yes, uh, but I think we I should think, get I think on Instagram it. Could, I could totally do the Instagram thing, because then I thought about it and... The YouTube videos haven't that many people have seen, but if people are just watching them through the RSS feed like Pinecast or the Apple uh, way, they don't really have ways to... Well, they can comment on them, but it's not like we're going to be notified of them, I don't think. So I'll probably try to make an Instagram page and yeah. make that the easiest way for people Wait, to talk is this, to Wait, is this the end of the video? Are we going to end spontaneously?